Today's guest is Rena Vandekamp. Rena had a near-death experience where she spent three days in heaven and encountered Jesus, and today we're going to learn about it. Rena, thank you so much for joining us, and welcome. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you having me on here, so I really do appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. <laughs> As you may or may not know, since you're new to the podcast, my audience loves to hear about near-death experiences. So if you don't mind, can we start on the day that yours happened? The day that it occurred actually has a little bit of um, backstory to it because I was a choreographer and dancer. And at that time I was dancing with a dance company and we had been working seven days a week and, 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 you know, just between your jobs and your, and the dancing and the dance company do with your jobs all day long. And then you go and you dance till midnight and do it again the next day. So I'd been doing this crazy routine for months and months and months. And then, um, when we went on tour, we went, um, we went on tour, we were performing six nights a week. So the touring schedule was pretty rigorous and in between, well, actually during the days, we were still rehearsing. We were doing sometimes street performances. We were, it was just insane. So it was, we were going all the time. And um, finally I had been having headaches actually, and I'd been having them for months. And this NDE was a long time ago. It was in 1995. And so I was 26 at the time. And, you know, when you're 26, you think nothing's, Nothing's going to happen to you. You know, headache doesn't mean anything. And you're doing all this crazy stuff. And it's probably just the craziness. You just need some time off. So um, I just figured, well, let me get through the run, the whole show run. And then I'm just going to take time off. I was going to go travel with a buddy. We're going to go up to the Highlands and let me just rest. And the headaches were getting so bad that I just, I mean, I had very high tolerance for pain at the time. And, um, and also, sorry, on a side thought, I might get very emotional because that does come up, even though it was 25 years ago. So that could happen. Um, so the, um, the headaches were extremely, extremely bad. Got to where in the morning I'd get up and I couldn't even move my neck. And I was just, I mean, excruciating pain and in tears and at that point in time in my life, I never cried, didn't cry at all and um, couldn't move my head. And I just thought, wow, I'm like, uh, let me just take as many, you know, a leave that you can take in a day and just take it all in one shot. And like, let's just, I got to get my head moving, got to get through the rehearsals, got to get through the show and let's just do this. And, um, and that's what I did. So when we, the show finished, we, I went up traveling with my friend we went up into the highlands and when you go up into the highlands i don't know if you've been to been to scotland before but it's very or at least especially at that time in 1995 very remote and there ain't nothing out there and so um we were way up and then i what happened is i just started getting um actually nauseous from the pain and i started vomiting and this happened consistently for three days in a row. I never thought about it, but there's a lot of threes in my story. It's kind of kind of interesting. I never thought about that until now. Hmm. Anyway, um, so I, I was vomiting for like three days in a row, and each day it got worse. The last day that it, that I just got so ill after we had breakfast, and um, I told my friend, I said, "Hey, I gotta I gotta go back to the B and B. I I gotta rest." And I mean, I didn't even actually know I could leave the restroom because it was so I just didn't think that would happen it was so bad so I got myself back to the B&B I laid down and I was out and I was in technically I was in a coma then so um he had um taken me in the car in the car and drove me two hours south to this little teeny tiny hospital two hours in a coma in a car took me down there. They didn't have an MRI nor a CAT scan. Apparently they did a spinal tap. Um, and they said, look, you got to get her down to Glasgow. So he got me down to Glasgow, which was another five hours away in a car. And he had to take me in his arms because there was no ambulance, no nothing. So he's carrying me in a coma in his arms in the car. I mean, it, 
the whole thing that I even made it to the hospital is a miracle of, of its own accord. So um, the thing with the NDE is, is this, just a basic context, is that I don't remember all of it. The Lord hasn't let me remember all of it. Um, one time when I was praying about it, because I asked him, I'm like, I'm like, Lord, you know, I was there for three days. It's not like I was there for two minutes or an hour or, you know, what? I'm like, three days. I'm like, why don't I remember more? And he told me, he said, if I let you remember more, he said, you wouldn't be able to stay here. He said, you'd come back up with me. And I went, oh, I totally get it. Because even when I reflect on this and reflect on what I experienced, it puts me in another place, another place energetically, another place emotionally. And it makes me not want to be here. You know, I'm ready to just, I'm going to bail. I'm out. I'm out. Because there's so much death in this planet, in our world around us. It's in the air. It's in, you know, the things that grow. And I, even, even if you're out in the woods, there's so much death in it. And it's, and it's so hard to comprehend because heaven has so much life in it. There's life in the, in the air. The air has a feel to it. It's like um, the closest thing that I could equate it to is, and this is not accurate because words don't fit. You can only grasp a part. Um, you, you can't grasp the fullness of it in words. But the air is, uh, it's almost like mugginess, but it's not muggy. Because muggy, to me, is uncomfortable and sticky and gross. And I, I don't like mugginess. But it feels as if the air is holding you. And it's as if the air is caressing you. Now, maybe part of that, too, is because I'm a dancer and I'm so um, aware of touch, of sensation, you know, especially when I dance with partners and such. You have to really be aware of feel and touch and stuff like that. So I was very aware of sensations, you know, like it, that I could feel. Um, the temperature was uh, perfect. I mean, it wasn't even anything that I even thought about. The colors were so vibrant. And it's as if the colors are alive. There, there's a life to them. There's a richness to them. Um, and there's, uh, they're so in, intense. And it's almost as if they're, this is going to sound so weird. Whatever. I'm going to let it rip. Um, it's almost as if they communicate with you. And it's as if, like, even when you're looking at plants, it's as if they communicate with you. I mean, even like blades of grass, I mean, each one is individual. Um, flowers follow you. They turn and follow you where you're going. Um, uh, the air has a smell to it. And it reminded me of the scripture that says the praises of his people bring in incense to God. So I know some of it was from people praising God. And sometimes you would hear singing and it's like it, it flows through the air in waves. Sometimes it's like angelic. You can hear the angels singing. It'll come and go. Um, and then you get the aroma. And then sometimes the aroma is the aroma of God himself. You can actually smell his essence. Um, and it's amazing because when you smell his essence, it just totally, it like, it gives you another jolt. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, because you're so alive when you're there, but it's as if you get another jolt. But you know what it's like? You know, it's like if you all of a sudden take some B vitamins and you get that Joel, it's kind of like that. It's so cool. And it comes in these waves. And then there's also a harmonic. 
because sometimes you hear the angels singing. Sometimes you're hearing people, people's praise and it goes and it goes in waves through the atmosphere and you hear it come and go, but then there's a harmonic that you hear come and go. Um, I, I don't, there's so much at one point in time. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to share all of it. I might, I might not. It just depends how it seems, you know, the Lord's leading me or the questions you ask, but there was a point in time. I was actually at my home and the, the home wasn't finished yet. And my grand, my great, great grandfather was there, um, working on it. And I had, I had, I've never seen him. I've seen photos of him. So I knew what he looked like from the front. I, I didn't know what he looked like from the back, but I saw him from the back and he was inside. He was on top. He was on a ladder. And he, and I, I described what I saw him doing and what he was wearing. And he was wearing, you know, very Italian thing. He's wearing his gray pinstripe um, pants, you know, like suit pants. And he's wearing a white shirt with a t-shirt underneath. He had his sleeves rolled up and he was working on something in the house and, and he was whistling. And I told my mom about it and her mouth just dropped. She was like, she said, he totally did that. She said he whistled and sang all the time. And she said, and he wore gray pinstripes with the white shirt, with the white t-shirt underneath. And I went, well, he was building my house. <laughs> That's what he was doing. <laughs> um, and then when at, a, at another point in time, I, I knew in my spirit, I could sense it. Jesus was coming up the, the walkway to my house. And so I ran outside to go to him. And it's so funny because some pe- sometimes people have asked me, what did he look like? I couldn't tell you <laughs> because I wanted to know what he had to say. I, I don't care what he looked like. What do you got to say? I, tell me. And so he, um, he told me, he said, you have a choice. He said, you can stay here or you can go back. But I knew in my heart that if I went back, it would absolutely um, break his heart. If I didn't go back, it would break his heart because he, there was something he had for me to do. So because I could sense that I told him, I said, I'll go back. I said, I will go back. And he said, okay. He said, it's going to be hard. He said, but I'll be with you every step of the way. I said, okay. And then I was back. And even when I got back, it's again, remember I was telling you threes, there were three days when I had woken up that I don't, I have no memory of none. I have, I have the very first memory actually of waking up because they had to pull the air tubes out of my chest because I was on a a life support. And, and then I don't remember anything for three days. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm going to stop there right there. I guess that's enough for now. Okay. What finally caused the coma? What did you have spinal meningitis or did you have a stroke or Mm -hmm. what happened to you? Oh yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, I had a stroke. I had a massive stroke. I had uh, nine blood clots on the left side of my brain, and the type of brain damage I had, it's not possible to dream because the int- dreaming comes from the left side of your brain, and almost all of the thalamus was damaged, like ninety percent of it. And um, I had damage in the frontal lobe. I had damage in the parietal lobe. I even had damage on the top of my brain stem. Um, I, you know, I had no memory, um, uh, short-term or long-term, which is total like amnesia, not total. Cause I could remember some things. I mean, like I knew who my mother was and I knew who, you know, I knew who people were around me and I didn't forget faces, but if it was a new person, I would remember their face, but I couldn't tell you anything about them. And so when people would tell me things, I couldn't remember it. And I couldn't speak. I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I couldn't, the right side of my body was paralyzed. And I had to learn everything. So when you went back to the B&B, 
you basically went to go lay down and that's when you went into a coma. Correct. Do you have any sense of time? Like, okay, once you went down, do you think you immediately went into the coma and went to the other side? Can you put out like any kind of time or a sequence of when did you actually go to the other side? I can't, I couldn't tell you. Like I said, you know, the Lord has only let me have little bits Mm -hmm. to remember. Mm -hmm. And, um, on my website for my dance company, I have it all written down. You can actually click to my website and, and look at everything that I have written. Um, but and actually, I, there's a lot of stuff I didn't even include in that. In that, but um, the Lord didn't let me remember everything because He said I wouldn't be able to stay. Mm-hmm. However, what I do recall, and I, I didn't write this in my in my story, but um, and I didn't even mention this in, in my video on my YouTube channel, but um, my guardian angel I know was with me and he was taking me and showing me around mm-hmm. and there were some things he, he was showing me. Um, but I don't know exactly what place and where that happened. And I didn't see him come and get me. I had no white tunnel, nothing. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. You just remember all of a sudden <laughs> so, you're being there and then see, and experiencing it. Yeah. Did you know about yeah. the guardian angel previous to this experience or did you meet that? The, you didn't. Okay. Um, well, I knew that I had some sort of angel or something, but I wasn't clear on whether or not people have guardian angels or not. Because mm-hmm. um, he's helped me a number of times. I've had some weirdo situations in my life. And, and one time I was in a car accident that should have taken me out. Absolutely should have taken me out. And it was only a seatbelt, but I felt his hand come across my chest Mm -hmm. and hold me back and keep my face from falling, going through the steering wheel. Mm -hmm. So that was the first time that I really remember. And I was like, and I remember looking down as the car was going to hit the freeway banister. And I remember looking down and I could see the imprint of his hand against my shirt and his arm. Mm-hmm. So he's been around. <laughs> mm-hmm. so. Can you recall what he looked like and what his name is? I don't remember. Blonde, spiky hair. He looks like a punk rocker from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> like Billy Idol. You know, I would have one like that. <laughs> he probably wore a big black duster. I don't know. I don't remember that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that would be like me. <laughs> now, you mentioned that you smelled God. What, yeah. So what what did God smell like? It's really hard to explain. It's like if you could combine savory aromas with flower aromas cuz there was a savory quality. I mean, I don't want to say like clove and that but there was a savory quality and flower quality. Mm. And, and I knew it was him in my, in my heart. I'm like, I'm like, that's, that's God. That's God, the father. I'm like, Whoa. Did you experience God in any other way? I don't know. Again, that's, you know, like I said, little pieces. I'm sure I did, but I, you know, just be, because it would be like him. Right. That's in his personality. Do you recall that when you encountered Jesus, did Jesus identify himself as Jesus or you just had a knowingness that, oh, that's Jesus? I had a knowing. Knowing. It was a knowing. And I I don't even know if we really spoke words to one another or we communicated. I don't know if it's telepathically or from our hearts. I mean, I I don't know. That I don't know. Right. What was fascinating is that I believe you were saying that even the colors were alive and kind of talking to you. From what I understand, colors are basically wavelengths of energy anyways. And if you're in a place that's all energy, maybe you're just experiencing wavelengths of energy. Absolutely. I, I mean, everything's actually wavelengths of energy. So that, that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But see, also like each... Each, uh, this is going to sound so weird, but whatever. Each cell in the air is the same way. It's almost as if it's got a personality. It's a trip. And I got to share this with you. Um, There was one point in time when my angel was taking me to 
to where my house was and it's right next to a creek. And um, because it wasn't that wide, it wasn't more than 10 feet wide. And he had taken me down to the creek and, you know, you've got all the grass and the flowers. And then amidst the flowers, there are gemstones. And then they trail off into the creek along the sides and into the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they're vibrant and, sh- and all the, it's just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And then he said, get into the water. And I'm not a water person. I love water to look at it, but I, I don't care about creeks, rivers, oceans. That, that's not my go-to, but he said, get, get in it. And I, and I was like, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I went into the water and it feels different. It's, um, it's like the air. It's, I don't know. How do you get into water and it doesn't feel wet? It doesn't feel wet. And when you get in, it's, it's in some ways it's denser than water, but it is so weird. And when you get into the water, as he took me in there, he said, go under the water. And so I went under the water and he started talking to me and he said, now breathe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, I was like, Oh my God, I can breathe. And I, and I just started breathing and I just started laughing and I'm in under the water and I'm, I'm laughing. <laughs> it sounds crazy. Mm-hmm. It just really sounds nuts. I mean, it, to me, it sounds amazing. The way you describe it makes me want to go check it out. Cool. <laughs> you know, and that's why when I reflect on it, it just, it makes me homesick. Yeah, It just makes me homesick. Do you think about this experience every day or has it faded over time like a memory? I've allowed it to fade because if I spend too much time thinking about it, it really affects me. And I really want to go. I don't want to be here. So in a way, I have to kind of push it aside because it's hard. You know, when you come back and you see there's just so much death everywhere. It's in the air. It's in the trees. It's in the, it's, and it's, it's so hard. It's hard to be back. And when people are so violent towards one another, it's just hard to be in that environment because when you're in heaven, excuse me, when you're in heaven, it's just, um, there's so much, Yes, there's love. And it makes you just sound so trite when you just say it in language. But there's so much love. It's like nothing you've ever experienced before. And so much acceptance. And and you know that, oh, nothing's wrong with me. Because we're automatically always talking about what's wrong with me. Why did I do this? And, da, 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 and all this, all the judgmental hoo-ha. There's none of that up there. No judgment at all. And in fact, I wanted to make sure to, to share this part because this is really important. And I, maybe you've had somebody share this kind of thing before, but um, I had a sister. She was younger than I. And um, I, I was, I'm two years older than she. And when she was six months old, she died. Hmm. And uh, she had SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. And when I was there, I saw her. I saw her from the back. She was probably, I don't know, 13, 16 at the oldest. And I had a knowing in my heart. And I just understood a lot of things. That first of all, if you have a child that dies, or if you have, you know, maybe you miscarried, or abortions, any of that, your child is in heaven. And they're waiting for you to raise them. And especially if, it, if your child, maybe you had an abortion, maybe you had several abortions. It doesn't matter. God has already forgiven you. You got to forgive yourself and then name your child. Ask the Lord. Ask him because he's already named the child. He wants you to name him or her. And pray, ask the Lord, name your child. 
And then that child is given that name from God, the father. And that child then has that name and it will, the child will be whatever age you most desire to raise them from, which is a trippy thing. Cause maybe, you know, maybe someone's 70 years old and they lost a baby in their twenties. If they always wanted to raise an infant, it will still be an infant. If they want to raise that child when it's seven years old, that child will be seven years old because aging is at a different, if different, what am I trying to say? It's like a different um, process than here because time isn't relevant up there. So it's a whole different thing. You know, your child will get to the age that it's its best age, usually 24, 25, 26, as far as, you know, what their appearance is like. And like when, you're, if, when your parents pass away, you know, if they're born again, they go to heaven, they're going to look like they're 24, 25, 26. Hmm. So um, take comfort in that. You know? How religious were you before this experience and has it changed afterwards? So, you know, I got born again as a little girl. I was five, I think, when I got born again. But I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't, I mean, I was brought up in church some. But, um, and then in my 20s, you know, I was running running wild. Um, and I wasn't living for God at all, at all. But dealing with what I had to deal with when I came back with the whole healing stuff. And that's a whole nother part to the story. I had to be tight with Christ. I had to be tight because if I wasn't, I wouldn't have recovered the way that I've recovered. Um, I've actually spoken to someone who um, was a researcher or she was a researcher at the time. I don't know what she's doing now, but uh, she was in London and she researched people having strokes, massive strokes like I had. And she hadn't seen anybody who had recovered the way I had. Hmm. And the reason why I recovered like that is because of Jesus. He taught, he taught me how to read again. He taught, I mean, and, and it was work. I'm not saying this is easy. There was nothing easy about it, but that whole thing brought me very close to him because I would spend when I finally, it's a long story, but, when I finally was staying awake more than, you know, three or four hours a day, because at first I wouldn't stay awake more than a half hour at a time. And I was sleeping about 20 hours a day. Um, as I started staying up more, I started getting into the word more and spending a lot of time with the Lord. And he's, and since that time, he's, when he's communicated with me, he's communicated Um, And he communicates in a lot of ways. He communicates in a still, small, quiet voice. He communicates um, sometimes with the knowing. He communicates with his word. He shows you stuff and you get what I call the aha. Um, Or he can communicate in dreams and visions. Now with me, he's given me a lot of visions over the years. It's not all the time, but when I'm in prayer and in the word, he gives me visions and I have understanding and I know exactly what's happening, what's going on. And that's how he's communicated with me. Now it could be because of the brain damage that I had, because before the stroke, I had a ton of dreams. And after the stroke, I still don't really have dreams. Now in the last year, the Lord has actually given me a lot of dreams in this last year. That's never happened before, but in this last year, he's given me a lot. Um, it's just how he's communicated with me and he'll communicate with anybody any way you'll allow him. I mean, it's up to, it's up to you. So was I tight with him before the, before the stroke? No. All right. What other ways have you changed due to the experience? One of the ways is, um, trying to find the right way to say this. I don't have time for a lot of um, stupidity. And I, that sounds weird, but like people just talking about trite, nonsensical stuff, I don't care about. I, I need to be around people who are real, not putting on any sort of facade. I have no patience for that. And consequently, I'm not good at, 
I'm not good at social situations because I don't care about, you know, when you think of rain will hurt, hurt the rhubarb. I, I, I don't care. You need to talk to me. Let's talk real. Let's talk deep. Let's, let's like say something that means something. Otherwise don't, don't bug me. Um, I also have, <laughs> I, this is going to really sound horrible and I don't, I don't mean it to sound like this. Um, but I have no patience for whining because what most people whine about is stupid, nonsensical stuff that doesn't mean anything because there's a difference between crisis and inconvenience. What most people whine about is inconvenience. It doesn't mean anything. When it's crisis, that's a whole nother deal. So I, I don't have patience for people that whine and get spun out with inconvenience. I have no patience for that at all. Um, now, the Lord also gave me, since the stroke, um, one of the, my, my primary job as of, you know, for years now has been as a body worker. And he has given, given me like how to work with people and help um, in their healing process. And he's totally done that. And I can feel when he's on me, when I'm working with someone. And I never had that before. And again, that's hooked up to how he helped me in recovery. Because as I was learning some of these skill sets, I didn't have memory to remember anything. I couldn't remember anything. And so I would have to fully go on word of wisdom, word of knowledge. I would have to trust him to tell me what, to, where to go and what to do because I couldn't remember anything because that amnesia was like bad. But he led me through all it, all of it. And I just leaned on him and I kept leaning on him more because I had to, I had to, to survive. Have you noticed that you've developed any abilities that you didn't have before? I can sense energetics. Um, when there's a certain energy in a room or a certain, I guess some people would say a vibe, I can, I can tell what's going on and I can tell what's happening. So if people are talking and that sort of thing, I already know the basic idea of what's happening. I can tell the level that it's at. Not that I know their exact words, but I can, I can tell where, what's, what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like if it's a negative thing or, if, or, if, or like, you know, case in point, if someone's slamming you and saying terrible stuff about you, I can sense it. I can feel it just as if they're talking, I, I can sense it and I can feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the same when I'm in conversation with people, I can tell how they're listening and I can, and it's not like I'm, I'm not, I'm not eavesdropping in somebody's thought life. I'm not doing that. The Lord would never really do that unless he wants you to um, uh, something specific. He wants maybe you to pray about something for someone else to help. It's always to help people always. And so sometimes, like I said, is that when people are, when I'm in conversation with people, I can tell how they're listening and I can tell when they check out. And I can tell when they're back. I can tell if they're already thinking about their next phrase that they're going to say. And when they're, when they're right there. Uh, Did your physical health return back to normal? It's been a long haul. My physical health, it, it, it's interesting how the Lord used numbers with me because not only has there been threes, there's been sevens and seventeens. He does that with numbers sometimes. So with my uh, brain, it took me seven years to get my brain back. Now, I still have some trouble on occasion. It's rare. It's very slight. Forgetful things and stuff like that. Um, but And it's not like, you know, because most people say, yeah, well, I forget stuff too. It's, it's not the same. It's not, it, there's a difference. Um. And when 
if I'm very tired, if I haven't been taking care of myself, I start almost not declining, but it's like I lose words. I can't speak. I, I can't function. I can't think. So I have to make sure to keep my my health up and keep myself strong because it, it will start to slide back. Mm. Now, my physicality, when I talk about my physical condition, understand that I'm talking as a dancer and somebody that's very much knows what's happening. I very much know what's happening in my body. And most people, even early on, wouldn't be able to tell that I was still having issues, but I knew I was having major issues, especially if I was going to go, you know, dance. I mean, forget it. Try to balance and do these. That's not happening. So there were, there were different breakthroughs, different levels that there'd be a breakthrough, a breakthrough, a breakthrough. And it, it, you know, because the, the side that had the paralysis goes into what's called, um, I think it's called ataxia. It goes into a state of seizure. It just starts seizing and then starts getting, building up all this scar tissue. So when you move, it's extremely painful. And it took a long time to break through that. Cause even when you break through the scar tissue, it starts to build back up again. It's not as bad, but it starts to build back up again. And then you got to go through it again, tear it up. And then it starts to build back up again. And again, it's not as bad that at time either. And so it's a progressive thing. So it took 17 years until I broke through all of that scar tissue. And there was a part in my spine that just wasn't um, releasing and unlocking. And I still had trouble in my spine. So when I, when I was dancing with, you know, whatever I was doing, there were certain things I couldn't do. It's not that I didn't have the strength. My spine didn't want to function. And so it took years to get that back. It took 17 years. Mm-hmm. Now I'm at, to this day, I'm, I have to be careful because my body is, it's been through a lot. And so there's times when it just, it's done. It's tired. It needs to rest. And there's times when I can push it. So I, I'm still sensitive to stuff and I have to be very cognitive to keep my health up because it can decline very quickly. Well, it's interesting that you said three now seven and 17. I think those are all prime numbers. So maybe yeah, they some are kind of mathematics speaking to you. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, so besides the physical stuff and besides you don't want to really focus on there. Are there any other after effects from your experience that you have to manage in your life? This one isn't as bad as it used to be. I've gotten a lot better now. Now that I'm an old broad, <laughs> it's not as bad as it was like 10, even 10 years ago. Um, so patience was something that I had an issue. I mean, we all have an issue with patience, but patience with regard to achieving something, accomplishing something, um, especially in somebody's, especially in somebody's body. I mean, because of me being a dancer and stuff, even when I would be teaching classes and stuff like that, I would get so frustrated when people couldn't pick stuff up and I have to let that go because, and then that's not coming from the choreography part, but I keep, the, I would go back to, you know, the, the talking of, you know, come on. I've been through so much crap. Suck it up. You can do this. You know, it's again, it's that it, it's that not having patience for where somebody is. And that's something I've had to really chill out because uh, who am I to judge where somebody else is at? I can't judge where their heart is at. I can't judge with how they have to function and operate because that's not a fit. That's not a fair assessment. What I've had to do is not what somebody else has had, had to do. Mm-hmm. So that's something I've had to, I've had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess that's the, that's the main thing for now. Are there any other messages that you can remember from your experience or can you remember if you have a certain purpose here? There were specific things that I know that I was here for, you know, since, since the recovery and all that stuff, there are certain things that I know I was here to do that I've achieved. 
And it's been a little challenging because at, at some points in time, I could sense I'd accomplished it. And I was just waiting for direction because it was like, okay, I'm done now. Am I done? Let, let's, let's get out of here. I'm ready to go home. And then I would just wait for direction again. And then eventually somehow, some way the Lord would lead me to somebody. And I'm like, ah, that's, that's who I'm here for. I'm here to help that person. I'm here to help them with this. And so um, I know that the Lord's done that with me to help me get me through, you know, and, and give me the direction of where to be and where to go, you know, and, and two, part of it is because everybody's got a gifting. Everybody does. They have a gifting, they have a calling. And in my calling is dance, choreography and dance. And so part of it was, I was called to come back and, and do more work. And I did, you know, I, I formed my company in 2002. Our last show was in 2018 and, um, you know, and now, I mean, I was in the process as, you know, when, when um, everything happened in the last year, um, I was in the process of writing a play mm-hmm. and it would have been a physical theater play. So it's a lot more um, theatricality rather than dance. And I would have gone that way, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm too old for that other stuff. I'm done. <laughs> I don't right. need to be doing that other stuff. Right. I think the type of dancing you perform is modern dancing. And I think it would be very interesting if you choreographed a piece expressing your experience, if you haven't already done I that. did. Oh, you did? I did. Do you have that yeah, on video? It's yes. it's. Um, you should put that on your YouTube on. channel. That would be amazing for people to check I out. I think I did. Did I? Oh, bugger. What did I do with that video? Is it on my webpage? I don't remember now. I think it's on my webpage. Okay. It's in a, so it's me hanging in a rope and harness inside a um, steel frame cage. That's symbolic of the, uh, of, of the bed of the hospital bed. Hmm. So um, yeah, I already did that piece and I actually did it twice, two different years. I did, did it in 2000. Uh, when did I do that show? That show was in 2004. And then I did it again in 2009. I did a, a, a remake, a revise. I, I changed it a little bit, but um, yeah, but, uh, but I've done it. And I, I can't do that piece anymore. It's too hard. It's too emotionally hard. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't need to go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple questions here. One, did your friends and family notice a big difference of your personality after your experience? And two, for the people that you told, how did they take it? No, they, t- they totally believe me. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and my two dearest friends totally believe me. Um, and I'm sorry, what was your first question? My first question was, did your friends and family notice a significant change in your personality afterwards? They sure did. They sure did. In fact, you know, my mom still talks about to this day that, you know, my personality is completely different. It's like, I'm a different person. And uh, my two girlfriends from college girlfriends, I mentioned earlier, they say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, yeah, you're you, but you're, you're different. You're not, you're, you're just different. So can, they do say that. Can you expand on that? Like how, in what way are you different? Believe it or not, a lot more subtle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who knew? A lot more subtle. Um, uh, I don't get as aggravated with people and things and situations. And I'm not so um, spun out. You know, cause you know, when you're in your twenties, you know, you, you just live in life doing what you're doing, but, um, I don't know, just very, very different, probably not as, um, driven by superficial success. You know what I mean? Where there's, where there's more substance now rather than I have to do these goals because That'll make me a better person. That's fluff, but real stuff. And so there's a lot more calm. That's the other thing they tell me. There's just a lot more calm, a lot more peace. Some people watch my videos because someone in their family or someone close to them had died recently. 
And I think they're there because they're seeking some type of reassurance that their loved ones or the person is okay. What kind of advice can you give to them? You know, there is a heaven. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And, you know, if your loved one, you know, it, it, you know, you can never judge where someone's heart is. You can never judge where someone's heart is. And you have to ultimately turn it over to the Lord. It's not like you can say they are in heaven or they are in hell. Because there are those two places. And you never know what someone's final decision is before they go. You never, you don't know. That's between them and God. And you just have to trust and talk to the Lord about it. And he'll give you peace about it. And if they're, you know, the thing is, is going to heaven is far better than here. Far better than here. And here's the other thing, because a lot of people don't think about this, is that if there's ever a, um, like sometimes people have a fight and maybe um, one person, you know, whatever, these two people don't talk and one person dies. And then that other person has all this guilt their entire life because they never, you know, remedied. They never, you know, solved the, the problem. And they have all this guilt their entire life. Well, when they die and go to heaven, their friend isn't going to remember that at all. Hmm. And they're going to welcome with open arms. Hmm. There's nothing to feel guilty about. There's never any condemnation. It's just, it's amazing. Hmm. You know, and people that maybe you had words with, that will all be gone. It won't even be a memory. Hmm. All right. Now I'm curious because you just mentioned hell twice but you didn't mention it in your experience. What makes you say that there's a hell? Um, I've had a lot of experience with demons. That's before or after your experience? Before. Oh. And the, I mean, like I said, everybody's got giftings. What I finally learned about my giftings before I didn't understand when I was a little kid, I didn't get it. So when I would see this stuff, I mean, we, we lived in a house. I'm telling you, this house was like being an Amityville horror. It was awful. And I never understood what was going on. And I didn't understand why that was happening. But I also knew I was very sensitive to it. So I could always tell when stuff was around and in, evil entities were around. And um, as I got older and as I got into the word, like after, you know, coming back and, and learning about the word and how things, how, he, you know, how he, how he tells you how stuff works is that that's part of what's called discerning of spirits. You discern the bad ones, but you can discern the good ones too. And you can also discern when there's, um, cause sometimes there are times when you can sense a loved one. You can sense a loved one around that does happen just as you can sense God, the father, you can sense Jesus, you can sense the Holy spirit, and then you can sense the demonic entities as well. So I, I didn't know that that was one of those things and it's hooked up to word of wisdom and word of knowledge it's discerning spirits word of wisdom word of knowledge they all work together and the lord has really worked with me especially during the recovery with word of wisdom word of knowledge and more word of knowledge than wisdom wisdom word of wisdom is is about future word of knowledge is about present and past and so like when i'm working with a client i i understand what's happening present and past i understand what's happening in the injury i can see it and discerning spirits goes with it. And because I had seen them so often, and I mean, I know that there's a place for them. And then, you know, when I learned in the word where it is and what's happening, I'm like, okay, there's definitely a help. Hmm. Okay. So at this point in your life, do you fear death at all? Bring it on. Let's go. Let's get this party started. <laughs> Blow this popsicle stand. I'm out. 
All right. Well, I'm going to switch gears with you. You've mentioned your website and you said that um, on your website, I think this is all written out and your dance may be there. So what is your website so people can find it? www.zionzion.dancecompany.com. Mm-hmm. Zionzion.dancecompany.com. And probably when most people get there, it's your website's more mostly about your dance company, but you just have these extra things there. There's all sorts of stuff there about shows and the work and there's stuff about um, each company member. And then on the, on the main page, when you go to the, the website, there's an, uh, what do you call that? The, a little button you can press to go to the story, which is part of my um, uh, like bio and stuff. Okay. Right. Yeah. All right. So you also have a YouTube channel. What is the name of that? Just my full name, Rena Vandekamp. Rena Vandekamp. All right, great. <laughs> All right, well, before we finish up here, Rena, do you have one last positive message that you can share with everybody? Heaven is real. God is real. Jesus is real. You know, the Holy Ghost is real. And there's nothing better. There's nothing better. And when you go there in that, in just Feel the open arms of love. And it just, there's nothing, there's nothing that can compare to it. Nothing. Hmm. So keep looking up, keep looking forward. Because that's, that's where we, that's where we're going. (laughs) Well, thank you for that message. And Rena, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you and I wish you the best. Thank you, Jeff. I thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. All right. Well, have a wonderful evening. You too. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.